Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I am Joe and with me today is Sarah, host of It Came From The Sea, yet another podcast on the Nate Bethay universe. What's up, Sarah? Hey, not much. Just starting to roast in my room in Hawaii. Yeah, how's your... uh, We're recording in the morning and I normally don't do that. Um, How's your morning going? Uh, Well, it's only 80 degrees right now. So if we finish before noon, I probably won't have a heat stroke. Uh, if we don't finish by noon, I feel like we have other problems, such as I launched into some weird history, which I don't have in my script. Um, yeah, this morning we decided to record, and I was like, "Okay, let's let's do this." And I went to the corner store to grab some coffee and some really bad masubi. And I know it's bad. Trust me. Like I've eaten this masubi so many times, I know it's not good, but I don't care. I hate myself. And then I found out they weren't open till nine. So I drove to the corner store for no reason and turned around and came back. And I was so disappointed that I made my own coffee, which doesn't taste as good as iced coffee from the corner store. I guess what I'm saying is I'm unhappy. <laughs> You tried to hate yourself and you ended up playing yourself instead. Yeah. Like imagine going to the store fully knowing you're getting a food that you don't like and then you can't even get it. Like sad. that's a level of disappointment that, yeah, it's it's a level of disappointment that can truly only happen in Oahu. Um, <laughs> now, Sarah, I thought it'd be interesting to have you on for this episode because one very specific reason. We're talking about partisans during World War II. Um, obviously, that... That, that that totally connects to your STEM show. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but mostly because we're talking about the most unlikely partisans of all time. Like when we think about killing Nazis and shit, like uh, when we talk about which, I mean, everybody can get behind that, right? Um, like partisans, yeah. like spies, like we probably think of like some SOE badass or some like grizzled. Talking like Ian Fleming or some shit. Yeah, or like someone who they could like cast, you know, Daniel Craig to fill in like in Defiant, mm. uh, like shit like that. Like you. So instead, we're going to talk about teenage girls. Um, and, and, I don't and how know they... why you don't think teenage <laughs> girls are dangerous. You obviously haven't hung out with enough of them. Uh, I am not a libertarian, so you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and they, they, these weren't just like spies, which they did do that. They were a cold-blooded fucking hit squad of the Dutch resistance. Again, I don't know why you wouldn't assume teenage girls are cold-blooded. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. Um, I don't, I, I'm not, I haven't been steeped in teenage girl culture. Yeah, yeah your sexism is showing, Joe. My I know, God. I, I'm fucking canceled. Fucking uh, canceled. I told you I was coming for you. <laughs> you said you were coming for Nick. You didn't say you were coming for me. Call me, call me. <laughs> yeah, we're, me and Nick are actually the same person moving back Fucking and forth it. very quickly. Um, <laughs> you have like a mic set up in two rooms as you run back and forth between them. Yeah, it's it's a bit that I have. It's how I get my <laughs> exercise. It's it's called podcaster cardio. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I guess the the most I know about teenage girls is like Mean Girls. Um, <laughs> yeah, and would they a, not a murder somebody? Yeah, you're right. I can see Regina George shooting somebody in the head. <laughs> This is the gritty reboot of uh, Regina George, um, but it carries. Uh, so this this starts with uh, someone named Freddie Overstegen, which is a uh, Freddie is a, a girl's name in the Netherlands, apparently. Um, and I don't, I don't I like think it. it's a nickname. Um, it, so it's <laughs> a little bit of a side note. Someone made fun of my German pronunciation the other day, which, to be fair, it's bad. I know it's bad. I don't speak German. Um, I've only graced Shame. Germany with my presence for a limited amount of time, and I did not pick up the language while I was there. Um, and they were uh, from Denmark. 
so yeah, Danish, Dutch, slightly different. But uh, I was like, don't worry, I'm eventually coming for Denmark. And I apparently I hit right next door in the <laughs> Netherlands instead. Um, but so what uh, you're so, saying uh, is from overst- Denmark. <laughs> All Denmarks are <laughs> bastards. Uh, actually, it seems like a nice place. I don't know. I've never been there. Uh, Quickly backtracking have, uh, to secure the Denmark listeners. Uh, yeah, I, I have to shore up my Denmark vote. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have nothing bad uh, to say about Denmark at this time. Uh, we will revisit <laughs> this <laughs> at a later time. Um, so, Freddy Overstegen was born in the town of Harlem. No, not that one. In 1925 <laughs> in the Netherlands. Uh, her mother and father both divorced at a young age, and her dad skipped out of town, leaving her mom to care for Freddy and her older sister, Trues. Uh, which again, I might be pronouncing this wrong. Um, this is I, like a Disney story in the making. It, you already got one spelled, dead parent. Yeah, uh, almost every fucking story I tell on this podcast begins with, and then dad left. Uh, <laughs> like it's a good almost motivator. every single one. Um, the sister's name is spelled T R U U S. I think it's Trues. I don't Truce? know. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Freddie described her father as a good man who just couldn't make any money and never did anything for the family. <laughs> Uh, which sounds like being a bad father with extra steps. Um, and then he apparently sang a French farewell song as he bailed on his family, which is like the most depressing version of like the song of music ever. Again, this is straight up like a Disney musical waiting to happen. Yeah, you see, if my dad uh, sang a French farewell song before he and like tap danced his way down to the cigarette store to never come back, this would be much more heartwarming. <laughs> Uh, her, her mom worked pretty much every job that she could find, uh, in order to provide for her family. Unfortunately, even for her that like, even with all that, that wasn't really much, um, because apparently the Netherlands hadn't invented bootstraps yet. Uh, but like, (laughs) couldn't pull herself up by her clogs. I don't know. Uh, the family was forced to live on an old barge in the middle of a river, which, (laughs) okay. Which sounds bored for that. Yeah, I like the the stories that I find is like, yeah, they were forced to live on a barge. But I'm like, okay, I get that that's weird, but it's also kind of awesome. Houseboat? Come on. Yeah. In Seattle, I mean, like, that's just prime real estate. <laughs> in Seattle, that's the only real estate left. <laughs> uh, we could sell you this old houseboat that is just filled full of used needles and Amazon I, applications. I will take it. Thank you. That's a half million dollars, please, ma'am. <laughs> Fuck. Honestly, uh, that's probably underestimating it, but yeah. That's true. Yeah. I'm assuming their um, barge wasn't as nice and didn't have nearly as many needles. <laughs> it's just full of old clogs. I don't know anything <laughs> I don't I don't know anything else about the Netherlands. Clogs, windmills, and Freddy over Steven. That's <laughs> all I got. Splintery ass wooden shoes everywhere. <laughs> um now, Freddie and Trues would go to school during the day and when they got home, their mother would give them in-depth lessons on communism. Of Hell which yeah. she was a ardent believer um she, like i cannot underestimate i cannot understate how communist these teens are that's fucking rad <laughs> it's, it's it's incredible um though like rather than talking about boring ass economic theory uh she was more of a fan of you know talking about things that matter like class struggle and liberation um, are you something that would become pretty important overrated? in their lives uh, I'm saying I don't fucking care about it. Uh, I, I have, I don't know if I've talked about it much on the show, but like I've made it known in other interviews that like I don't fucking read theory because I no, find it incredibly that. boring. Um, I've used theory for like primary sources and stuff, for research papers that I've written where I was talking about things like liberation and class struggle. But like I'm not gonna be like, ah, yes, yeah, time to crack open this <laughs> fine linen. Like I'm not gonna fucking do it, man. Uh, also, I don't like Lenin, but <laughs> that's something else entirely. Um, now, in between working and talking about a wor- the oncoming workers' revolution, they would use their barge Aww. to hide refugees, criminals, and other people that did not want to be found, which is known as Praxis. Hell yeah! Um, like these are these guys are like it's not just it's like a party re- barge. Like, yeah, like they're a not communist like, party uh, barge. <laughs> the only cool communist party. Yeah, like. <laughs> Uh, it's not like like ah uh, yes would you like to come to our reading circle like we don't really care why you're running from the cops but like come hang out with us we got this shitty ass barge you can hide out in <laughs> yeah we got plenty of rooms in this fucking barge watch uh, out for and clogs they, and even though they like didn't they never asked these people for money uh or anything um even though they were desperately poor um like they'd pay out of their pockets for food 
and people would just become another member of like the weird barge commune until they <laughs> left. Uh, oh, like, I really want a barge commune now. Yeah, barge communes are rad. They're they're the new, they're new the Patreon new, goal. Yeah, they're Something the new urban me a garden. Barge. Yeah, the Patreon goal for like a barge and uh, off the coast of this island would cost several million oh dollars. I am yeah, uh, not I'm here. At, I'm actually just gonna break into uh, uh, Pearl Harbor and steal one. Uh, Nate, cut that part out. <laughs> just steal the Missouri. It'll be fine. Rihanna did it right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm hearing a knock on my door. I believe the security police are after me, or whatever the <laughs> fuck they're called. Um, Short police? Yeah, whatever. I don't know. Nah, the, the, the wet MPs. <laughs> moist boys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, moist boys. Uh, yeah, like the it was just everybody. If you had money or food or whatever, like you could chip in. But if you had nothing, it was perfectly fine. Um. Now, this whole refugee smuggling ring thing uh, adversely affected the family, but they didn't really care. One of the lessons their mother taught them was, quote, if you have to help someone like refugees, you have to make sacrifices for yourself, uh, which, yeah. It's a lot it's better almost, than anything my mom taught me. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you fight for someone you don't know or something. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I think I've heard Not that from someone you, before. Fuck you got mine? <laughs> I don't know how to say fuck you got mine in Dutch, but yeah, that. <laughs> it's it's trickle down economics but with clogs <laughs> um the netherlands itself had cons- had long considered itself like a, a neutral nation in the affairs of the nations going around them it kept themselves out of war with its neighbors since the 1800s uh during world war one as europe burned the netherlands did the smart thing and kept the fuck out of it uh which may have been why kaiser wilhelm quit wanting to be such a bad kaiser and ended up hiding out there after 1918 <laughs> um, yeah like that's where the kaiser crashed after he abdicated huh. the throne yeah uh because nobody else would probably have him um due to their neutrality as the nazis began their initial campaigns of violence and oppression against the jewish populations of europe but mostly starting in germany the netherlands was considered a safe spot for many of them and Mm -hmm. dozens of them began uh, hiding out in the overstegen barge until they got on their feet (laughs) or got papers to go like to america or canada or england like it like the overstegen barge was like a solid place for them to land uh to get on their feet and move on somewhere else though a lot of them ended up staying in the netherlands because they're like well the netherlands is always Neutral, the Nazis aren't going to come here. Spoiler mm. alert, that is not what happens. But, yeah, um, but did they, though? Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate <laughs> that these Nazis ruined our, our norms of genocide that Europe has become so, so closely guarded to. Don't they understand uh, the gentlemanly rules of warfare? Yeah, you can't invade me. I said I don't want to go to war. <laughs> this isn't fair. Um, I said time out. Yeah, I'm telling mom. Uh <laughs> The Overstegen family, probably like most of the Netherlands, assumed that the the Germans would just go around them uh, <laughs> and they would do their biannual takeover Europathon or whatever. Uh, but that isn't what happened because uh, like, you know, that's what happened during yeah, um, yeah. World War One. Um, well, there was like that idea of like gentlemanly warfare and everybody like all the leaders are related to each other. So they all are going to like honor certain things. Yeah. And it's just, in hindsight, the Nazis didn't do that so much that it's kind of funny that they were so naive. Yeah, like, and that that can be said for a, a lot of wars throughout history. Like, I can't believe you did that. Like, you know, when you're bayoneting and blowing people up, like, there's not yeah. really, like, uh, I don't know. Monarchs are stupid, and, like, that's one of the reasons why they're so stupid. Because, um, like, that's one of the reasons why it was always kind of shocking that, like, Wilhelm ended up in like the Netherlands and not like literally because he was related to most of the monarchs yeah. of Europe. Right. I mean, granted, his his uh, his cousin Nikki over in Russia had a had a different mm. ending, uh, which, yeah. you know, the Netherlands most... aren't looking so bad. <laughs> yeah. The Netherlands look great this Compared time to getting year. shot up in a basement. Yeah. I'm, I'm not one for uh, for being pro Bolshevik, but I actually fully support giving them Kaiser Wilhelm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, do what you do, fam. Uh you know, bury him in a basement after you're done. Uh, now, uh, it, like I said, most people in the Netherlands probably assumed that the Nazis would go around them. Uh, instead, the Nazis attacked the Dutch merchant navy uh, as World War II erupted around them and even sank a passenger ship, killing 84 people. Uh, so many tulips lost. Yeah, it's yeah. There was um, that, that whole argument, like, well, there could have been soldiers or munitions on it. That was never proven. Mm. Um, it's not like it's not like the Lusitania where that is a fact. 
Uh, but yeah. I mean, it, all, it also doesn't make torpedoing civilian school. Uh, it turns out not cool. Not cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, welcome to the obvious war crimes cast. <laughs> um, I listened to the hell out of that, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's kind of our brand now is like having to point out obvious horrible crimes <laughs> are in fact war crimes because people try to debate them. Um, but that's that's the world we live in is that war crimes are just uh, seen it's, through the scope of nationalism 99% of the time. It's good and healthy. Yeah, it's fine and good. Uh, nothing bad could possibly happen to those. Anyway, let's go live to Iraq <laughs> and ask them how things are going. Uh, <laughs> the now, the uh, joke is it literally doesn't matter when this comes out. It will always be a problem. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, the Dutch authorities... Uh, realized that maybe things wouldn't be so cool between them and the Germans this time. And they ordered their military to prepare itself. But that didn't really end up mattering, um, as Germany was a main trading partner of the Netherlands at this time, and the government attempted to rearm. They did so through Germany, who would then just not send shipments of weapons because they knew what they were going to use them for, of, of, of shooting at Germans when we invaded them. <laughs> yeah, uh, sensing a problem yeah. here. Yeah, it's like... The, it's actually kind of hilarious that the Netherlands thought that the Germans would be okay with this. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, we need thousands and thousands of tanks and rifles for other reasons. We're not, <laughs> we're not going to use them to fight you, despite the fact you just blew up hundreds of our civilians. <laughs> uh, that's something that we do. Uh, that's a, like, yeah, even the, even the Germans aren't that stupid. Um, we uh, supply weapons to terrorists and then look like shocked Pikachu when they use them back <laughs> on us. Look, yeah. that's our thing. <laughs> Uh, furthermore, the Netherlands was strictly neutral, meaning they would uh, they were just as likely to shoot down an allied plane as they were mm-hmm. a German one. So the Brits and the French didn't want to give them any weapons, uh, <laughs> you know, didn't want to give weapons to someone that they weren't sure were even on their side. Um, oh. Yeah, like neutrality at this point is kind of a moot point. They probably should have thrown their lot in, obviously, with the allies. Um, I mean, when they're no- calling themselves the allies, they sound better. I don't know. Yeah, obviously. It's better branding. Uh, the the allied marketing team hit one out of the park uh yeah yeah, great at at this point it's pretty obvious neutrality is a joke um i mean it worked for switzerland but it's mostly because they were just laundering money for the nazis yeah right (laughs) it's all the gold Uh, really lets people like look the other way yeah the swiss are like yes we don't understand why we're processing millions of gold teeth but you know we're fine with it. This is great. Um, you know, and uh, the, the, at this point, the, the, the Netherlands still didn't want to throw their lot in. They were, they were really hoping that they could like have armed neutrality. We're like, look, we have weapons. We'll fight you if you invade us. But the, like, it's the Netherlands and you're yeah. facing Germany. Good luck. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, there was also the possibility that maybe the USSR would be open to sending supplies. Um, but there was a small problem with that because the Dutch government had not recognized the Soviet Union as a nation ah. as it was 1939. And they are still co- really committed to that white Russian cause uh, ah. against communism. Whoops. <laughs> well. Yeah. The <laughs> record scratch. But you're wondering how I ended up here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> On May 10th, 1940, the Germans invaded the Netherlands without a declaration of war or even bothering to come up with any good reason to do so. I assume <laughs> this is just a group of them sitting around the table and going, oh, come on, we are Nazis, guys. Let's just invade right? the Netherlands. Like, we already got away with Poland. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. What, what is your Cassius belly of invading the Netherlands? Uh, Nazis? Oh, we right. We can. <laughs> yeah. Because who's going to stop us? The Netherlands. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. come on. <laughs> when was the last time we sent you weapons? Come on. It's just Hitler doing the shoulder thing going, come on. Come <laughs> on. As uh, tanks rolling. Uh. <laughs> well. Now, most of the myths that surround the fall of France were actually pretty true when it came to the fall of the Netherlands. Hmm. Um, the world was in the grip of the tail end of the Great Depression, and the Dutch government slashed its military budget as much as it could to the point that if they tried to cut it again, but they stopped due to there just being nothing left to cut. Uh, so soldiers Oof. really didn't have anything to fight with. Um, the soldiers just, themselves... Just clogs. <laughs> just rocket-propelled clogs. <laughs> It's, it's doing nothing. Um, the soldiers themselves suffered for this in every way. To save costs, conscripted soldiers would serve only 24 weeks, which is not even long enough Oof. for them to get most of basic training, which sometimes did not include firing their weapons. 
if I was to cut something from basic training, it would not be marksmanship. It might be like, I don't know, learning how to march or something, but like not using your weapon. <laughs> Joe, you need drill and ceremony. It's free. Yeah. <laughs> it costs nothing to march around in circles for hours. Obviously. Um, and then they would just be like set home. And out of around 200,000 soldiers, only around 1,000 professionally trained officers were within the ranks. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, and Dutch soldiers were mostly only armed with World War One era surplus. And outside of that, the Dutch only brought five tankettes, uh, not even a single normal-sized <laughs> what's a, tank. What's a tankette? Is it just a tiny tank? Kind of. It's like it made for like it, the idea was like for direct infantry support during World War One, uh, like the interim years. It's super small, very underarmored, and has it's fucking worthless. It sounds like a tank you would market towards housewives in the fifties. <laughs> uh yeah it, it wasn't great uh especially when you don't have a single regular tank yeah um, and, and their air force was made up of world war one era biplanes which um, i do love a good biplane i i love a good biplane until like a messerschmitt <laughs> me 109 is shooting at me well it's not great yes <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you're in the biplane so that means you have to have a cartoonish mustache and like goggles you're like hup and a oh, really long oh, white scarf. Yeah. yeah. As, <laughs> Aiming a fucking pistol out, out the cockpit and de- demanding that the fucking uh, the regular <laughs> World War II fighter plane duel you like a gentleman. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is things are bad. Uh, the Dutch ah. army was so unfit for the battle that, like, their own government, which, remember, c- cut all the costs and made all, the, all these problems apparent in the Dutch army admitted that it was unfit for battle by their own standards, which were so incredibly low already. Oh. Um, anyway, the Netherlands was painfully owned by the Nazis. Um, right, 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 right. But not for a lack of trying. Despite being outnumbered and outgunned in every single way possible, the little Dutch soldiers who could inflicted nearly as many casualties <laughs> on the Germans as the Germans did them and frustrated oh, every right. offensive attempt. Um, yeah. Uh, like, That's impressive. The Germans... It, it kind of is like, it, like honestly, if the Germans, if if this was like at all a pure battle, uh, the Germans would have lost, which actually is most of the case for the early war period. Um, and like the German, if they knew they were gonna die, you can't like you can't knock them for thinking like, oh, we're gonna take out as many of these Nazi fucks as possible before that. Yeah, where are you gonna retreat to? This like the, the, we're Dutch. This is where we live. A, you a know, fjord. Do they have fjords? <laughs> I feel like they might be called lot uh, something else. I feel like fjords is a Scandinavian thing. I don't know. Somewhere yeah, a Dutch no. listener is getting very mad at us. That's fine. Listen to my podcast. Give money to my Patreon and maybe I'll listen to your complaints. <laughs> uh, the Germans attempted to, to uh, deploy paratroopers. Uh, and it was kind of hilarious because, like, ger- the the German Fulsham Jaegers were kind of a miserable failure throughout World War II. Uh, like, they they tried to use them again in Crete, and it was another hilarious failure. But like, they uh, they deployed them, they landed, and they were immediately ambushed by Dutch soldiers every <laughs> single time. I think I've heard about that actually. Yeah, it's it pretty got, great. Like, righteously owned each time. It pretty much came down to uh, the the Dutch were winning, um, like in a straight up fight. The du- well, I mean, winning is a strong term because obviously the, yeah. the German the Germans have endless amounts of reserves they can pour into in the tiny uh, Netherlands if they want. Um, but really, what was happening is that the Germans accepted, like expected, they kind of did what they did to Austria, which is like just right. kind of walk in, uh, like during, it, yeah, like because like the the Anschluss was like the Austrian military was given orders to resist the Germans and then they were rescinded because they were afraid of the damage it would do and and knowing it was a lost cause. Not to mention there right. were, were some not like there's powerful Nazi movement in Austria at the time. But oh, like, really they were expecting that the Netherlands would be like, look, we know how this ends. Let's not have our cities be blown up and our people killed. When they when, mm. when then people realize like, no, we're I'm not playing this shit. We're fighting. Like if you want if you want to take over oh, our yeah. country, we're gonna make you pay for it. Um and like the resistance pissed the Germans off so badly, they decided they would just resort to blanket war crimes. Uh, they sent uh, ninety planes to carpet bomb the city of Rotterdam, killing nearly a thousand civilians and making another eighty thousand homeless. Uh, in case that wasn't enough to scare the Dutch into surrendering, they threatened to do the exact same thing to every Dutch city if they did not surrender. Uh, the Dutch, yeah, it, it was like, look, we really obviously can't beat, yeah, like we obviously can't beat you. Because you're being, because you're like 
actually defending yourselves, you fucking assholes. So, like, we'll just destroy your country. Right. Um, We're going to give up the pretense of even, like, being remotely fair in this war. Which is why I'm kind of fine with America hitting Germany with the Uno reverse card in a couple years. Um, <laughs> it's not <laughs> it like have they had- hadn't earned it. Yeah. Like, I'm not... I'm not fond of carpet bomb, like strategic bombing or whatever, but like it couldn't have happened to a to a worse person. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just America pointing at Nazi Germany, going, "We learned it from you." Scoreboard, scoreboard. As they firebomb Dresden. Oh. Um, now the Dutch army finally surrendered, or at least part of it did. Other parts of the army refused and continued fighting alongside the French. Um, deciding that the whole surrender thing didn't apply to them because you know, <laughs> fuck Nazis. Fuck it. Yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately, as heroic as it is, we all know how that story ends. Um, <laughs> but the fact was, like, the, the the Netherlands and a lot of the low countries and France are always maligned as being like, oh, the cowards, they just surrendered. Like, that's not what fucking happened. Right. Uh, and that's why I had to throw that in there. And that's a re- one of the reasons why is, like, I've seen not historians, but, like, just people um, they're like, I don't understand why all these uh, res- uh, all of the uh, the resistance popped up when like they didn't really resist the Nazi invasions when like that's not what happened. They're yeah, very very unhappy with being occupied by the Germans. Right. Um, so while all of this was happening, uh, the Overstegen family cared for the refugees on their barge as well as took in people that were made homeless by the German bombs. Uh, though now they were skirting. How big a poss- was this barge? It was pretty fucking big. Uh, right? They could fit, yeah. They could fit like dozens of people in there. I mean, it, it, maybe it wasn't super comfortable, but like it was better than like being blown up I, by Germans. Yeah, I was picturing a barge like the size of I don't know, like uh, maybe a pickup truck or something, like wider, obviously, but like not huge. This I sounds feel like, like it, it's pretty big garbage barge. Yeah, yeah, right. it's just a, a garbage barge full of people. Fuck yeah. Um, now and remember, cause. like during during this time, the Overstegens are very very openly skirting a possible trip to a concentration camp because they are mm-hmm. hiding uh, more more and more Jews, and of course, remember their they're membership in the list. Lo- yeah, their member yeah. like literal membership on the rolls of the local communist party, uh, which is like about the only thing they could have done that was almost as illegal as you know daring to be a Jewish person. Yeah. Um, but none of this made the family stop. Uh, in fact. They decided that hiding people and being members of an organization that could very well get them killed wasn't risky enough. They soon built their own printing press and began cranking out anti-Nazi leaflets and handing them out around town. That's fucking uh, dope. And the, the funniest part is that like, these were the, the, the sisters doing this and the mom was like helping. Um, and, and they'd escape on, on bicycles before the, the Gestapo could show up to grab them. <laughs> This is what Tumblr should be doing now, but isn't. Come on, Tumblr. <laughs> Just escaping a like bicycle-borne resistance. Um, there were one of uh, a few working cells of something that could be considered a Dutch resistance. Uh, while armed groups did exist, at the beginning of the occupation, they were very rare. Uh, a reason for that were if, if you were non-Jewish, if you were a non-Jewish Dutch citizen, the occupation was pretty light-handed, mm. and that was by design. The Nazis considered the Dutch people Aryans, and they would uh, they wanted to incorporate them into this greater German Reich idea that they wanted. Um, like they didn't think the the Dutch to be subhuman in any way. It's almost and, like this concept of Aryan blood is totally arbitrary and made up. But go on. Yeah, it's almost like the racists are stupid. Um, uh, and, you know, normally the Germans would pretty much pillage countries that they took over for resources. Um, and, like, they, this would happen eventually. But, like, you know, if you happen to be in Eastern Europe, you were fucked. Uh, everything, like, they, it, it would be like someone coming through and pulling the copper out of the walls in order to sell it. They'd steal everything to Jeez. fuel their war machine. Um, but, unfortunately, being part of the, quote-unquote, German Reich actually did good things for the Netherlands if what you happen yeah, if, weren't if, there a bunch of the like Lebensborn's cat camp set up in the Netherlands uh, I think some of them were the Netherlands uh, and some of them were um, in like scan- like the German Scandinavian areas to keep it like away from the front line yeah yeah cool. like because they wanted like good quote unquote stock that's um, what I'm thinking like okay so it's yeah. just so you can kidnap a bunch of like Dutch women and force them to be sex slaves it's cool um, you know unfortunately the Lebensborn program was a volunteer program um, oh even better 
<laughs> yeah, uh, and most of them were German. Most of them were German women, but a, a lot of them, some of them were not. So, but yeah. one of the singers, this is total tangent. Do you know one of the singers of ABBA was born in one of the Lebensborn's camps? I did hear about that, and like, yeah. I wonder how they process that shit. Uh, poorly, apparently, but yeah. Yeah, and like, <laughs> through they're, they're, song? And like uh, the, the, their lives after the war were pretty pretty awful because everybody knew who they were. Mm. Uh, and well. like, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> whoopsie doodle. Sleep, um, sleep I mean, with a bunch of Nazis. Fault. That's what happens. Yeah, it's not the kids' fault, but the kids no, pay no, no. for it. Uh, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's like it's that theory of like the little Nazis, which Robert mm. Evans did a two part series on recently in Behind the Bastards. I highly recommend anybody who hasn't listened to it to go listen to it. But like, it points out that most people in Germany and the collaborators weren't nazis like uh they weren't well they weren't nazis in the idea of like i actually also really hate jews and i agree with all this weird Aryan woo woo that you're throwing around it was like right i care i care about the economy and suddenly there's all these jobs when it's because well all these jobs came up because you stole them from jewish people that could no longer legally own businesses or work Uh, a lot of it was just like this doesn't this doesn't threaten my status quo so i'm okay with it yeah, like first they came for the communists, and I said nothing because I wasn't a communist. You know that whole poem, uh, but they like to strip out the first two lines. Can't um, imagine why. Yeah, um, unfortunately, that'll be not be the last time that communists get fucked over for their uh, their their hand in resistance and mm-hmm. things like that in this episode. Uh, but how oh, fun. Yeah, uh, but that, all this began to change because, like, you could like w- once the Netherlands is part of Germany, you could travel for Germany to work, travel to Germany to, to work. Uh, there was like a back and forth, assuming you had permits and things like that. Like jobs and benefits popped up for you know a normal white non-communist in the Netherlands. Right. Uh, but that began to change as the German war effort began to go south and the resource extraction of the Netherlands kicked up, and uh, th- and uh, again. That happened uh, when they started deporting Jews from the Netherlands, um, because for a while they didn't do that. Like that wasn't one of the first things they did. Like there's mm-hmm. obvious, like the normal, uh, like Nuremberg type laws that were applied, where like you know this, there was obvious discrimination against Jews, right. but they weren't disappearing. Um, and when that started, the Dutch got pissed, uh, which led to a general strike uh, against the Nazis. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. One of the more interesting bits of organizing that happened in occupied Europe and one of the few uh, that happened in, in, in German occupied uh, Europe. Uh, and soon the tides of war turned so badly, shortages occurred. Uh, the Nazis implemented rationing, which only pissed people off more. And then uh, a man-made famine occurred as the they stripped so much from the country, there was nothing left even for rations. It was a good time for man-made famines, just yeah. all around. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it seems to be popular in this day and age, uh, eh. even more so in the Ukraine. Um, that is when the local Ukraine. command... Yeah. Uh, yeah that, that is when the local commander of the Dutch resistance saw a group of teenage girls handling out anti-Nazi literature and followed them back to their house, because that's <laughs> normal. That's um, a totally normal thing for a grown man to do. I have to point out, this guy does a lot of suspect shit. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Once he assured them he was not, in fact, a Nazi spy, he asked them to join his resistance cell. Um, If you're wondering... hasn't heard that from an older man, you know? (laughs) Hey, hey, baby girl, you want to come join my resistance cell? Uh, (laughs) If you're wondering if he knew he was recruiting teenage girls into a violent partisan action, their age and appearance is actually the specific reason he was recruiting them. (laughs) Uh, the that Nazis makes it had less been, weird. Yeah, yes. Uh, the Nazis had been cracking down on resistance cell actions, making it hard for them to freely move around. This was made up of largely military-aged males, and they were kind of easy to track down and stereotype. But the commander argued they would never suspect a couple of girls then aged fourteen and sixteen of being members of the resistance. Ah, uh, yes, they had yet had yet to consider child soldiers. <laughs> Take that, Nazis. Uh, he was argued that was the exact reason. Uh, uh, he argued that was the exact reason they hadn't been caught while handling out, handing out their anti-Nazi literature where like the Gestapo couldn't possibly think two teenage girls on a bicycle were like Scooby-Dooing away from them and they're like, God damn you kids. 
Uh, obviously the girls were excited about this, uh, but the commander refused to take them unless their mom consented, which <laughs> cool. I, Isn't I guess that how you joined that. the army. Yeah, that's exactly how I got into the army. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, I was, actually with the Navy. <laughs> I, I Love was, it. I was one year older than the oldest sister. And I also had to get my mom's permission. Yeah. The long and cherished tradition of having your parents sign for you to go to war. Yeah, uh, Trues and Freddie's mom agreed, and that's how a couple of middle schoolers ended up in the Dutch resistance. Still cooler than my mom. Yeah, uh, way cooler than my mom. Uh, mom, can I go join the the anti-fascist resistance? Fine, but be home by dinner. <laughs> uh, it, it was only after they agreed to join did they uh, was did the uh, local resistance commander tell them what he expected them to be doing instead of that things. Also, of- sounds like the army now. This is fine. Yeah, uh, things like sabotaging railroads and bridges. They would also learn how to fire a gun for the first time with the intent of deploying these teenage pipe hitters as assassins. Fuck yeah. Trues remembers Freddy excitedly saying, quote, well, I've never done that before and I fucking (laughs) hope not. You're 14 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Freddy, I need you to shoot that fascist in the head. (laughs) I've never done that before, but okay. First time for everything, I guess. Yeah, I guess when you're raised at a communist barge, you like warm up to shooting Nazis a lot better than most people. Um, <laughs> that barge life. <laughs> somehow the way Freddie describes all this going down is darkly hilarious. In an interview with Vice before her death, Freddie was asked how she joined the resistance. And she simply said, quote, a man wearing a hat came to the door and asked my mother if, if he could have us. And he and uh, she said yes. And he, she was OK with it. Huh. Just a very yeah, just a very official hat or whatever. Um, <laughs> Freddie assumed that they were joining some secret army, but instead he gr- they joined a group of seven uh, of seven males in the woods, uh, and they were the <laughs> only Christ. girls. Uh, this is how weird cults start. Also, I should point it's out. definitely like this is a plot point in several Stephen King novels. <laughs> yeah, as long as they don't go down to the sewer, they'll be fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, they were taught how to use a pistol and how to march around in the woods for some reason, because I guess even a secret anti-Nazi resistance army has dumb bullshit they have to do. Uh, like, imagine, like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to stop the Nazis from, uh, from killing all the Jews in my country. Ah, uh, yes, but first you must learn, you must learn drill and ceremony. Wait, yeah, if what? you can't march in step, how can you ever kill a Nazi? Yeah, uh, real dumb. Um, now the group got their start by doing simple things like shuffling Jewish adults and childrens to like to, to new houses, as well as stealing ID cards so they could like pass themselves off as as non-Jewish folk if they were uh, if they caught or under suspicion of being Jewish. Um, and after a while, the resistance decided to deploy these uh, new girl recruits in the most stereotypical way possible oh, as no. a honey trap. Uh. <laughs> like. <laughs> God damn it. Now, Where's Chris Hansen when you need him? <laughs> uh, Adolf, I need you to have a seat. Uh, could, do you want to tell me why you came town. here? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to tell what, me why you came here today? What's in the bag? Clogs you and see, condoms? What were you planning on doing with this? I. She just said that she wanted a friend. I was coming over to hang out <laughs> with her. Uh, yeah, is, is that why you brought your, your armband, Adolf? <laughs> um... I mean, that's not even that much of a joke because Adolf Hitler had sex with his underage yeah. cousin. Right. Uh, no, he... For people who are unaware. And then when he would when he would not date her because that was considered uncouth to date your cousin in Germany, she shot herself with his service pistol. Uh, yeah, not because yeah. she was like 15. It was because they were related. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like directly related. It wasn't like the, this is yeah. my sixth cousin removed or whatever, which no, was no. still common. We have the same grandfather. <laughs> yes. Um, now, uh, they decided that because Trues was the older of the two, that she would be chosen. Uh, and she looked oh, older. Right. Um, and that though, don't get too comfortable because that would change <laughs> too. Um, they are sent off. They are sent off into town, and it would hang out at the local bar, which sounds like a pretty rad bar if they don't even card you. Um, I guess, like when you grow up, you, everybody knows of that one bar that doesn't card. So, like, you're if you're slightly older looking, you could get in. Like, I was one of those kids in high school that everybody said that like failed a couple years because I could grow a full beard. <laughs> um, 
Like, uh, and I wouldn't say I looked 21, but whatever. Uh, Just looked like so, a 13 year old with a beard. It's fine. Yeah, it wasn't a good beard either. It's like this <laughs> scraggly, gross one. Um, uh, so what, once in the local bar, she waited for a Nazi soldier to hit on her. And then after a little bit, she's like, she asked if the soldier would like to go on a walk in the woods. Ugh. I mean, uh, we say this is weird, but this would work in literally any military town. Yeah. Right now. Right oh, yeah. now. Like, you could go down to a bowl if any bars were open in Honolulu, wait for someone with a bad <laughs> haircut to walk in, talk to them for all of five seconds, like, you want to go walk on the beach? And you could fucking do this. Like, if you, if you were, like... Because I assume, like, soldiers are soldiers throughout time, right? Like, they found murals on the wall and Roman garrisons of, like, soldiers carving dicks. So, Hell like... Yeah. Like, I have a hard time believing a German soldier occupying the Netherlands is literally any different than any fucking soldier in the United States <laughs> Army right now. And as when if, I, uh, yeah, like, no, it, yeah, it, when, when I was in Kadena, I was in Kadena in uh, Okinawa for a while, and they literally had to tell us not to hit on people at the base exchange because they were probably high schoolers. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't even have to be a bar, you do not have to be drunk. It can be literally anywhere. If a young woman tells it, like tells a military member, like, "Hey, you want to go on a walk?" It can be on base. You're gonna get laid. You probably yeah. shouldn't, though. Yeah, you definitely should not. Like, I so I joined. I was 17 years old. Uh, like I said before, and when I got to my first duty station, they told me specifically, "Do not pick up high schoolers." We understand yeah. that it's legal, but you for you, but you cannot fucking do it. And the first thing I thought I was like, "Well, yeah, of course not." I'm, that's disgusting. Uh, but then I realized that, like, I graduated high school like a year early. So there's people Joe my is 17 still in high and school. he's a man, damn it. <laughs> right. Uh, like, I can't. So, like, people are like, uh, like, it's like I've seen like accounts online. People are like, wow, I can't believe those German soldiers fell for yeah, this you know, no. 15, 16 year old. Like, is no, it very this gross? Happen. Yes. Is it very much still happening? Also, yes. This is happening in Fayetteville as we record. Right like, fucking now. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, she asked for the uh, the German soldier to like, hey, do you want to go on a walk to the woods? And of course, that worked. You know, um, it was it was it was bad. Um, it, so they lure them back to the woods. They, they weren't the trigger people yet. Um, when they walk say, into they've the got woods, all these like adult men who could do the like the traumatic act of shooting a Nazi in the head for them. Yeah. And that's how it starts. Um, like <laughs> Truz leads them back into the woods and then like. Uh, she like picks up her pace and then disappears into the foliage and then <laughs> the male members come out and the she said that the only thing she heard was a gunshot in the distance. So what's um, Freddie doing the whole time? Just like watching? Just hanging out? Yeah, I guess they're I don't I, I, I guess in a non creepy way I'd say they're in ambush, but yes, they're they're just <laughs> creeping. It like probably like, I wonder like did anybody tell her not to have sex with the Nazi? Like uh, she's she like maybe she's the, won't realize with the bar. Oh, like where where's the line here? You yeah, know? like what if uh, what if her ambush never shows up? How far is she supposed to take it? Awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Freddie later said that the men hid the body so well that the dead, dead Nazi is probably still out in the woods. <laughs> yeah, cool. That's where you deserve to be buried nice. in an unmarked yeah. grave. <laughs> uh. Though, like, soon the girls would take part in even more direct missions. One of the things that the, the resistance really liked doing was blowing up railroad tracks and bridges, which they both did. It's very uh, like they both learned how yeah. to handle, Yeah, they both learned how to handle, like, explosives and stuff. I assume they're both very good at it because they didn't die. Um, another thing they did was to break into Nazi rationing offices and steal ration books and <laughs> distribute them to the endless amounts, uh, like, to distribute all of these ration books to people. So, like, it would completely fuck up the Nazi ration system, and then people would be able to eat. Um, but soon they would be pulling triggers. The sisters were joined by a, a, another teenage girl and socialist, Hani Schaft, uh, who would become... Hani uh, Schaft. Yeah, she would become, like, like the, the celebrity of the group, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Um, and they would create something of a not-legal-to-drink-yet hit squad. Uh <laughs> Schaft was a was a law student uh, that had dropped out of school because so at the time in Germany uh, or the Greater Reich, whatever you want to call it, the occupied territories. We don't have uh, to give it the appropriate title. <laughs> you do not, in fact, have to hand it to the Greater German Reich. Uh, so if you were to go to college, 
you had to sign a pledge of loyalty to Germany, and she refused to do so. Um, like it's one of the reasons why like the White Rose group dropped out of college because they refused mm-hmm. to swear loyalty to the Nazi Party. A uh, lot of our nuclear scientists that came to the U.S. were the same. Same deal. Yeah. So she joined, uh, like, so now that, like, well, I guess I can't go to law school, and so I guess I'll be a hitman. <laughs> like you normal do. Career arc, yeah, normal career yeah. arc. Um, I mean, that's my backup if podcasting falls through. I mean, you know, it, it's it's an open business. You might be a little less su- successful than a bunch of hot Dutch teenagers, but dream big. Hey, there's someone out there for everybody, all right? The, somebody's <laughs> kink might be a giant hairy Armenian man, and we're not here to kink shame them. <laughs> Um, but then you have like you're gonna find that one person and then you have to murder them because you're an assassin now fuck you're right this is a self-defeating plot Um, so Hanishaf joined the Overstegans in conducting what they called liquidations which is a much cooler (laughs) word to be used for the word assassination when it's coming out of the mouth of a 17 year old girl like uh, we're going to go commit liquidations now mom bye Uh, it's deeply weird um uh, Freddie was apparently the best of the group, uh, as she was the youngest. Also, and the youngest. Okay, to, yeah. And, and she looked out of her. She went out of her way um, to look even younger. By uh, she, like, she said that she put her hair up in braids, which is, <laughs> a, I guess, yeah, which is like a, a normal children's hairstyle in in the Netherlands. I don't know enough about girls' hairstyles to say it's going to be whether. the equivalent of like pigtails and a schoolgirl uniform. Yeah, I, I, that's a good way to put it. Just yeah, like it's pretty much cartoonishly pigtails. childish. Um, like if I saw an adult person with pigtails, I would think them to be, I don't know, much younger than the the age that they're supposed to be. So yeah, her goal was to make herself look even younger and more inconspicuous. Um. Because you didn't want to draw attention for what she was about to do next. Uh, so did she just carry around like a giant lollipop? <laughs> like <laughs> a giant striped lollipop, pigtails, and, and like mm-hmm. a teddy bear. Um, <laughs> so while looking the most inconspicuous and young as she could, she'd jump on her pedal bike right around town until she could find a, a drunk <laughs> soldier like wandering off on their own away from everyone else. And then she'd shoot them in the fucking back of the head. <laughs> 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 and then speed off on her sick like a fucking big wheel <laughs> <laughs> just the, like the fucking it's the most Dutch drive by on earth <laughs> yeah and I mean this, this is all like the funniest fucking shit like this is the funniest hit I've ever talked about on the show I think um, but what happened next is equally insane uh, the girls would hit up the town bars and wait for Germans to hit on them uh, like they would before. <laughs> Fucking gross. And, like now that they were really good at this, they knew how to hustle better. Like when um, when they were when she was when Freddie was riding around town and shooting people, she didn't really care who she shot. Like normally the oh, the right. drunk soldiers wandering home were like you know lower enlisted NCOs whatever because like officers would have a right. car come pick them up. Uh, so like they decided to up their game. They took they took they took this amateur shit and went pro. So now in the bar, they would shoot down lower-ranking soldiers and hold off until someone with higher rank tried to spit game at them. Again, just still happens. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to go home with a fucking PFC. I'm going to wait for, like, a staff sergeant to hit on me or whatever. At least E6 or above only. Get the fuck out, yeah, scrubs. You had me at TRICARE. Um <laughs> now, once a high enough ranking soldier, normally not, uh, like a junior officer or a high ranking NCO would hit on them, they would, you know, play the normal, you wanted to go take a walk move. Um, that they would lure them out into the woods and shoot them and, and bury them in a shallow like- grave. <laughs> 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 they did this multiple times a night. Oh my God. <laughs> and nobody fucking realized. Like, would, hey, anybody who leaves with one of those three hot teenagers doesn't come you back. You know damn well that still wouldn't talk someone out of it. Like, say you're, like, oh, yeah. say you're in a bar in Colleen outside of Fort Hood, and like someone's like, "Hey, I heard if you like if you told any like sailor or whatever that you served with, like, hey, any like anybody who's gone home with one of those three girls, like nobody's ever seen them again." And someone's like. I can change him. I can, yeah, yeah. There were people in Honolulu. So in Honolulu, uh, we used to get told all the time that they were like Chinese spies. I don't know if that's true. I don't fucking care. But there's always like, all right, don't go, don't go on random dates with Chinese women you meet in bars in Honolulu. And 
every fucking week someone would be like, man, I met this really hot chick in Honolulu. She's from Hong Kong. <laughs> it's weird that she uh, kept scanning my cell phone for things. She was really into me. She didn't ask me what I did yeah, for work. She made me fucking a Faraday <laughs> <Okay>. cage. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's fine. It'll protect you from the 5G. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they like hit multiple t- places up a night. Uh, <laughs> Just STIs at speeds you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Though the Germans were not their only targets, the hit hit squad would also be deployed against Dutch collaborators. They would hunt down and shoot people who did business with the Nazis, people who were suspected of turning over their Jewish neighbors, or otherwise helping the Nazis. Through uh, though, their real favorite target was members of the Dutch SS, who they saw as below human. Oh fuck those! Yeah, and they wouldn't even try to hit on them. They would like break into their homes <laughs> and kill them in their sleep. <laughs> they don't even get to die thinking they're gonna get laid. Fuck those! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In one situation, True said that she was walking back from the grocery store when she saw a Dutch SS soldier who's rumored to have murdered a couple's child in retribution for aiding a Jewish person. Even though it was not an organized hit, she dropped what she was doing and shot the man down the middle of the street. (laughs) Just pulled a gun out of her bag and killed a man. (laughs) Like, I was going to go pick up some poke at the corner store, but now I have to gun down this fucking Nazi. God damn it. I, I... uh, for people who are unaware, I don't think that there's any poke in the oh. Netherlands, uh, but there should be. Uh, but there yeah. should be. Uh, now I'm going to go to, after we're done recording, I'm going to go get poke. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to get poke for lunch. <laughs> Though they would not... Ex- it's the one joy this island has to offer. Poke and uh, Kalua pig is, is where it's at. Um, if, uh, I don't eat you pork. See, and that's why within two years of being on this island, I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. It's a tradition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, though the the group would not accept every mission. In one situation, the commander of the resistance ordered them to kidnap and murder the children of a Nazi official, and they refused. Yo. No, they had no problem. They are both women and children. They aren't going to kill other women or children. No, other resistance people were not so resistant to that mission. Uh, it was considered like an Ugh. equal trade because the Nazis were doing that to them as well. Uh, I, yeah. I I will say I, I disagree with the murdering of children, uh, <laughs> yeah. whether or not they're Nazis. Dude, are you gonna Are you gonna take a hard stand on child, child murder? Bad. Bold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, they had no problem with murdering adults all day long. Even like this, like the spouses of Nazis were perfectly fine targets for them. But yeah, Honey fair. argued that if they started offing kids, they were no better than the Nazis. Uh, and the commander actually canceled the mission at the request, which probably means they just gave it to somebody else and then they did it. Uh, but <laughs> Sure, 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 sure. We're not going to kill those yeah. kids. Hey, go kill hey, those kids. Hey, uh, Honey won't do it. We need you to go kill those kids. And someone's like, yeah, right. I'll kill those kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Kill the fuck out of those children. <laughs> Uh, the team was incredibly effective, but the Nazis never really caught on to what they were doing. Um not how? Uh, not really. Um, they instead assumed that teams of men were kidnapping soldiers and killing them, which was, oh which to God. be fair, was also happening. But the teenage hit squad was so effective, it allowed the rest of the resistance of the area to focus on operations like you know blowing up railways, like straight up military actions, <laughs> while the girls stacked yeah. Nazi bodies in the woods. It's when you sexism so hard, you refuse to admit that the woman with a gun in your face is going to yeah, kill you. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they finally went one step too far, or at least Hani did. Unlike the Oversteekin sisters, Hani stuck out because she had bright red hair. Um, she mm. was witnessed leaving the... Obviously a communist. Yeah, she was so communist, it grew through her roots. Uh, she, But also, she's just a soulless ginger. Um, she was witnessed leaving the scene of a, of a hit. Of like just they just saw a girl with red hair, uh, like leaving the scene of a mm. murder, and soon like every fucking Nazi in the Netherlands is on the lookout for the girl with the red hair, um, and it was places like the most local wanted person in the area, um, and it would have been hard for the Nazis to find her based on the information alone. Um, they also had spies in the resistance. When a member of the resistance was mm-hmm. wounded and brought in, uh, what they thought would be a friendly hospital, they had no idea it was just staffed by Nazi spy nurses. Yes, Nazi spy nurses were a thing that existed. Nazi spy nurses, all right. Um, sure. Anyway, while treating the wounded man, they overheard Schaff's name and managed to put the two and two together. Soon, Nazi authorities kicked open the door of her parents' house and arrested them, throwing, in a, throwing them in a concentration camp. 
This, however, still did not stop the team from doing their mission, though it did force Shaf to finally dye her hair black. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, so she wasn't home when that no. happened? Oh, right. They're just trying to get to her through her, well, parents. her parents. Like when those, like, hey, if you come right. turn yourself in, we'll let your parents go, which one, honey, honey is smart enough to know. Joke's on you. She's a teenage girl. She fucking hates her parents. <laughs> those motherfuckers wouldn't let me pierce my nose or whatever. Uh, yeah, right. Also, I, I think everybody in the resistance was smart enough at this point to know, like, if we turn ourselves in, you're just going to kill all of us. <laughs> yeah. And my parents do Come not on. want me to turn myself in to be tortured, I would assume. Also, they told me this was just a phase. Yeah. So yeah, the communist them. insurgent thing is just a phase. She'll grow out of it and be a nice conservative one day. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But Shaft eventually took a mission away from the Overstegen sisters, joining with another resistance member and smuggling copies of the local communist newspaper, what was called The Truth, um, when they were stopped at a military checkpoint. Her and her partner were both arrested and subjected to horrible amounts of torture. Um, and uh-huh. like they weren't fully aware that it was Shaft because like she refused to give their name um she she dyed her her hair hair. yeah like like, it's like outsmarting the fucking teens from scooby-doo here um (laughs) and during the tour during the torture Shaft never broke her silence but her partner did divulging that the nazis had finally captured the girl with the red hair um so Shaft was brought to the local sand dudes outside of uh, Bowmendal, I believe the town is called, and shot by two men. But they only managed Ugh. to wound her. Wounded? Wait, yeah. What? Shaft apparently said, I shoot better before they finished her off. <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. It like, reminds me of, uh, like, I fuck, I forget what movie is. Like, how you do is like, good enough to fuck your mother <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she got shot by two men with rifles and then, like, on her deathbed, her last words were, I shoot better. And then they finished her off. Yeah. Um, this happened on uh, April 17th, 1945, only three weeks before the liberation Ooh. of the Netherlands. Uh, yeah. Well. At the end of the war, officials found the remains of 422 members of the resistance who'd been executed at the dunes. 421 men and one woman. She was the only woman who was executed there. Um, Badass. Now, the Overstegen sisters survived the war, though they were largely shunned by the state due to the fact that they were communists. Because, um, of <laughs> oh course. Uh, Can't fucking win. I- yeah, and like Hani is the person that you see movies made after, uh, even though she was a communist as well. But I th- Because she died before she could continue to talk about being a Probably, communist. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. Though Trues brought their story to light in the 1980s uh, when her book, Not Then, Not Now, was published. Trues ended up becoming the face of the team with Shaft becoming the martyr. Uh, Trues did uh, speaking tours and lectures, and she was eventually named uh, Righteous Among Nations, an honor bestowed upon non-Jews who put their lives at risk to rescue Jews during the Holocaust. Um, she was also awarded the Officer of the Order of the Orange Nassau, or NASA, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, an award given out by the Queen of the Netherlands, a royal family I did not know existed. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the best kind of royal family, yeah, really. The ones that I, I don't agree with giving to the to, to frothing hordes. Um, now, finally, after all of this, Freddie was awarded a medal by the prime minister in 2014 for her service. Jesus Better Christ. late than never, you fucking assholes. Um, Truce, said, uh, Truce finally died in, uh, in 2016 and Freddie in 2018. Um, now, before her death, Freddie finally addressed the question that people have been asking her since the end of the war. How many Nazis did you kill? Mm. And That's really not the question I was asking, but it's yeah, a good one. And she answered, quote, you shouldn't ask a soldier how many people he shot. Yes. <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah, like that's like one of the one of the more interesting things is like, you know, everybody always treated them as like this weird side story to the greater, you know, uh, World War II story or the, the greater right. resistance story. And the two sisters never saw themselves anything other than soldiers. Um, well, that guy with the fancy hat recruited them off the barge. So as far as they knew, they were officially in the yeah, army. Uh, and like, who knows what um, Hani would be saying if she had li- lived until 2018. But like, you know, yeah. they were they were, uh, were absolutely soldiers. They just happened to <laughs> ride a pedal bike into battle and honey trap motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, but y- yeah, that's like one of one of my favorite 
uh, partisan stories from World War II because you never see it coming. You never see the 14-year-old with a fucking handgun on a, on a Huffy. <laughs> bicycle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pulling a gun out of her flower basket <laughs> to shoot in the back of the fucking head. Like... Oh what! Oh look, a teenager with flowers. What she's gonna say? Fuck Nazis! <laughs> Just like dropping bodies in the street. Kids are all right. <laughs> Kids are gonna be fine. It turns out. Now, Sarah, we do a, a thing on the show <laughs> called "Questions from the Legion," and we have a very special question. I think I think you know what question the Legion wants to wants answers to, Joe. So for people who are unaware, if you donate to the show, you get access to our show Discord, and like the the Discord itself has kind of created its own in jokes, um, and like bits that I'm very good at making up stupid bits. It turns yeah, out, yeah, and 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 one of those is the idea of consensual cannibalism. Um, are you okay? If somebody says it's fine Wait, with you yeah. eating them, do you think that's okay? You got no okay. All right, you have to set it up. You have to set it up. Properly. I don't know how to set this up My properly. God. This is not a question. So like, <laughs> like, because otherwise people think you want to kill folks and then eat their flesh, and I don't want to kill anybody. Wait, are you saying like you're more of like being you're okay being like a human vulture? <laughs> uh, so like, like. <laughs> just wandering no through the streets and be like, ooh, either. dead body. <laughs> you gonna eat that? <laughs> you, you, no, no, Sarah, that? nobody's so gonna like, eat that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if, if, like, <laughs> if somebody you knew, like, all right, let's, so nobody can accuse me of trying to steal <laughs> limbs from people. If I were to have, like, my leg amputated because I got in a car wreck. But but the flesh wasn't diseased or anything, and for some reason, Queens and Eva decided, like Queens Hospital and Eva decided to let me keep my limb, and I barbecued my leg meat <laughs> and offered <laughs> and offered you a taste of my barbecued leg flesh that I had provided consensually. Would you turn it down? Yes, I, I would turn that down. Why? Why? Yeah, I don't want to. I'm healthy enough. Uh, my doctor said I should eat as much long pig as I used to. Oh, yeah, whatever. You just said you'd been, like, chowing on Kahlua pork. <laughs> it's short pig. That's fine. I'm at least as happy. I'm at least as healthy as a pig. <laughs> but that, that, that's your... <laughs> that's your new podcast tagline, at least as healthy as a pig. <laughs> now, uh, I'll stand by that. Uh, then, like we, we'll close out this episode with what I call the plug zone, which is a zone that we rarely use anymore uh, because we don't really have new people on the show often. So, Sarah, you have a podcast. It's because you hate women. It's yeah, fine. I, 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 actually, that's why I didn't vote for Warren. It's because I hate women. Um, <laughs> uh, Sarah, you have a, you have a podcast. Consider this a, an area to to plug oh, your God. podcast. Well, uh, yeah, man, I do not know how to do the like self-plug i'll do it for nate because nate's been working with me and he's very kind and he deserves more money um yeah i started a podcast called it came from the sea it's me and another veteran friend of mine named sam and occasionally another veteran friend of mine named dan talk about things that are not related to the military uh it's mostly ocean science um sometimes it's a little bit of like ocean policy and ocean politics as well and it's pretty cool i hear yeah i mean i I think it's very cool simply because most of the time, like voices from STEM that you hear are like dudes talking about blockchain and shit. <laughs> Even like a lot of the ocean podcasts that I found are just just dudes with big lib energy. And I'm not saying like STEM needs to be a leftist space, but STEM kind of needs to be a leftist <laughs> space because a lot of people are really into the science and don't like to think about the implications. Yeah, the same thing could be said for history. And, you know, it's right. it's nice seeing... I mean, it's coming from the opposite spectrum. It's nice seeing people that work in research and STEM and stuff like that who, like, haven't completely divorced themselves from humanity. Uh, like, what, like, it seems like what a lot of schools want STEM majors to be is, like, weird psycho scientist that with no liberal arts education so you end mm. up like losing your empathy and humanity um and like that's obviously not what's happening here so it's like it's like it's, it's all those people like oh you shouldn't get a liberal arts degree you should everybody should major in stem as you cut away like history and <laughs> well, literature I can tell you that and everything else you a yeah. job. 
No, yeah, I think it's, it is really important because we. But, uh, so actually, um, I, I, yeah. Sorry, I uh, graduated right when the George Floyd protest took off, and there was kind of this like schism in the College of the Environment at the school I went to, where there were people who were like, "No, we need to pay attention to the like to the Black Lives Matters movement because it matters in STEM too." And then there were the old guard that were just like, "Oh no, we just ignore race, and it's fine. Just just don't talk about it, and it's fine." That's the most uniquely like it might not be uniquely, but it's like the most American STEM response I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but Sarah, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you can get all all of this leftist ocean podcasts and more over at the It Came From the Sea. Uh, and normally we end the show with like a a a, a neat quippy thing from our episode. We're like. Until next time, don't do this. But I don't think I can legally say until next time, ride around your pedal bike and shoot Nazis. Um, until next time, buy a barge and turn it into a There commune. you go. Buy a barge, turn it into a commune. Barge commune. Solid. Uh, and we'll see you next time.